What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We are continuing our series on the incoming 2020-21 rookie wide receiver class. And definitely got some nice ones in this group of five. See, we're getting a little deeper now because I'm going down, remember, by consensus in groups of five. So the further down we go, the more I'm going to be looking for those sleepers. And I think I found a couple in this handful. And before we get started, as always, guys the references right the draft network gives me some info that i add in to my knowledge as well as sports reference pff pro football network and a new one destination destination devi on youtube and with that said guys remember the age september 9th that's how old the player will be on september 9th that's when the season starts that's the age i'm giving you guys and with that said we will get into it but first I gotta say, try some built bars, guys. For real. For real. I've been using them like crazy. I just put in like $80 worth of orders for myself on built bar. I'm just destroying the product. It's amazing. It's on the rise. So check it out. Also, sub to the YouTube if you haven't deep dive fantasy football. Let's get into it. The first receiver that we are going over today is someone I absolutely adore Kadarius Tony. 5'11, 189 pounds. Out of Florida, he will be 22 when the season starts. His best season to date was this season in 11 games, 70 receptions, 984 yards, and 10 touchdowns. My NFL comparison for him is a bigger Tyreek Hill minus the top speed. Okay, take away that super elite top speed, and then you've got Tyreek Hill. In this player right here, 5'11", 189 pounds. He flips his hips incredibly. By the way, I put out a sick thread of this dude with gifts that I made myself. I had to go take some of his plays that I really thought showed his epic traits. And I took them in like a 10-second clip or a 5-second clip. Then inputted them into a GIF or GIF maker, however you like to say the word. And created a bunch of gifts to put in a thread with a bunch of analysis on Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter and you're one of my listeners from Instagram or from some other means, go follow me on Twitter. You're getting a lot of content there. With that said, he flips his hips incredibly. He goes in and out of breaks in an amazing way. He is so quick in and out of his breaks. He's boom, boom, in and out. Route running ceiling is superb. The ceiling. See, I didn't say his route running is superb because he can use polish there. That's going to be one of the knocks. But... His route running ceiling, what he is possibly going to be able to do is absolutely insane. Why? Well, his change of direction, elite. His start-stop ability, elite. His twitch, elite. And he's very hard to tackle. So obviously this is not related to the route running, but just continuing on. He's very hard to tackle. He might be the toughest wide receiver to tackle in the class. Why? It's a combination of two things. One is... Because to tackle someone, you got to be able to touch them. And Kadarius Tony's not an easy guy to touch. And then after you do touch him, you still got to bring him down. And he just brushes people off. 
So his combination of making it very hard to get a hand on him, as well as giving you pretty much no chance at getting a clean hit on him, and his contact balance being very good, lead to him being the hardest wide receiver, in my opinion, to tackle in this class, at least out of the guys that I've analyzed so far. He had 32 broken tackles on 80 catches. He is tough. He's physical. He fights for every single inch. And when I say every inch, I literally mean every inch. I don't think I've said that exact phrase for any of the receivers yet, except this guy. I've talked about some guys that lean forward and try to get extra yards, but not fight for every inch like Tony does. Tony gets hit, and he pushes forward, bounces forward, one, two steps, gets hit again, gets hit again, gets hit again. Like, he'll be getting game tackled, getting pushed back, back, back. He's still bouncing, bouncing, and then trying to get forward, trying to get forward. And guess what? Before his knee hits the ground, so many times, not just across the end zone, which is when most people will do it, so many times he reaches the ball out. He's trying to get that extra inch just in case it gives him the first down every single time not every time but it's just amazing and it's something that I really like it shows his determination which is one of his best qualities in my opinion this dude wants it he kills you after the catch he's a DB's worst nightmare I'm sure guys when they watch Kadarius Tony the night before a game they're looking at him and they are saying man I'm gonna have my hands full and he's probably gonna make me look stupid and I better be able to bounce back from it because he's an ankle snatcher And that was the first thing I said in the thread. He is an absolute ankle snatcher. I love his mentality after big plays. This was something that I noticed as well. So not only is he super determined and fights for every inch, but his mentality after big plays is not, let me get up and celebrate. Let me talk a big game. Nothing of that sort. Instead, he pops up. He tosses the ball to the ref with confidence and regularity. He acts like he expects nothing less from himself, and that is what he's doing on the regular, and I love that. He gets up, ball to ref, walks over to the huddle, next play. He doesn't go to the DB and talk crap to the DB in his face. He doesn't get up and shoot a bow and arrow into the stands. He doesn't do none of that. He is ready to go. And he's also got super reliable hands. A lot of people, they looked at the senior bowl, they saw he's getting drops. He's gotten a lot of drops. That's not good. Tony's a guy, oh, he's making separation, but he can't catch. Well, guess what? Wide receivers, guys, they come into the league so often, and some of them have trouble dropping the ball, and then they're fine. And guess what? That's not even going to be the case with Kadarius Toney, because I don't know what happened in that senior bowl. I'm not sure what happened in the practices, but in the college football games, he was fine. Reliable hands. He dropped only 2.4% of his passes in his entire Florida career. Guess what? That's the lowest rate in this class of wide receivers coming out. 2.4%. Great. So what does he do wrong, right? Obviously, he can't be a perfect prospect, Brandon. So what does he do wrong? He doesn't have great long speed. That's why I took that trait away from Tyreek Hill in my comp. So he does. He can get caught. He does get caught at times. He needs to polish his routes, but his ceiling for route running is sky high because if he does polish those routes, along with... It's similar somewhat similar to how Jerry Judy was just when you watched him, he just gets open like no one's business. But the difference is Jerry Judy was also pretty polished. Kadarius Tony has that same factor of just having the innate ability, innate ability to get open, but he's not as polished. But when he does, he could be a very similar route runner in the likes of a Jerry Judy, I think. And it's hard to tell if he's a good contested 50-50 ball type of guy, 
Not many opportunities have been given to him for him to show that ability. But I do think I saw some flashes that he can do that successfully. He's got some nice, you know, elevation grabs. Two-handers, usually not any, like, one-hand crazy nonsense. But he's got some nice vertical leap on the sidelines, flipping his hips in the air, facing the ball, bringing it down, tapping his feet. So he's got some ability that I think can translate there. We'll see. But he's also much bigger than Tyreek Hill. He's 5'11", right? So... He has the ability for that to be, if he develops in that area, that to be part of his skill set. So I really like him. So what's his fantasy takeaway? He's best suited for the slot, but he should also get schemed carries and maybe, maybe some schemed passes. He was a quarterback in high school. Kadarius Toney could be an absolute monster relative to his draft cost. He will likely be a guy taken in the second round of rookie drafts, and he should be good anywhere because his best trait is what? After the catch which is not reliant on scheme, you know, as long as he's utilized from the slot, it won't be reliant on scheme because slot guys get plenty of opportunity to work after the catch. He likely goes back of the first round. I think that's where he's going to go to a team that is good and has a good quarterback situation. If he lands to a team like Kansas City or Green Bay, oh, Green Bay would be the best landing spot, Buffalo or Carson Wentz and the Colts, which say what you want about Carson Wentz, whether you believe in him or not, at least he's going to give the receivers some opportunities. So we've got some nice landing spots for him in the area I think he's going to go in the draft. And if he lands in one of those places, he'll be super hyped up. And then he'll still be a value in my eyes because I think he's better than most people do. And he's actually, I just realized I didn't give you guys my ranking. He's right behind Rashad Bateman for me. So he is my wide receiver four right now. It's Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman, and then Kadarius Toney. I have him in front of Jalen Waddle, And I don't think anybody's really valuing him there. Maybe there's like a couple guys that have him wide receiver three or wide receiver two or something like that. But that's few and far between. So his value is going to be really good, especially if he doesn't land in one of those places. But if he does land in one of those places, you just know his opportunity is going to be immense. So I just love the guy. I really do. And we'll see where he goes. But Keep your eyes out on this dude. I think he's a stud. He's actually my favorite player in this class. That doesn't mean I think he's the best receiver. Obviously, I just told you where I have him ranked, but he is my favorite player in this class. Just what he brings to the table, the mentality he has, his intangibles. So that's the first receiver we're going over. And then we have Rondale Moore. He is 5'9", 175 pounds. Another guy that's sneaking up and hopping a couple people from last week's episode. So or should I say, not last week's episode, Tuesday's episode. He's from Purdue. Like I said, 5'9", 175. He'll be 21, so that's nice age, pretty young when the season starts. His best season was, gotta wind the clock back, to 2018. 13 games in 2018, 114 receptions. 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns. This was his only full season played, and he played this season as a true freshman 114 receptions 1258 receiving yards 12 touchdowns as a true freshman his dominator rating was above 30 he was getting over 30 percent of his team's targets of his team's yards that's incredible incredible so why is he this low well since then actually we'll get to that later it's going to be in the Knox, but injuries long story short now what's his nfl comparison for me he's a more athletic And don't take this the wrong way, because I think this guy's really good. He's a more athletic Jamison Crowder. He's the exact, exact height 
and weight as Jamison Crowder. He is also a slot-dependent, slot-heavy type of guy, similar to Jamison Crowder, is always coming out of the slot. So what's Rondell Moore really good at? His age is something that's a pro. It's not something he's good at, but that's definitely a prop, something that props him up as a prospect, so it's in my props list. He squats 600 pounds, which is ridiculous. He's very tough to tackle because of it, right? If somebody's squatting 600 pounds and they're not even 200 pounds, that's more than triple their weight. That is absolutely insane. And you can see it because it's so hard for people to tackle him. I was actually talking to people about Rondell Moore versus Kadarius Toney in terms of who's harder to tackle. So I would say if you're saying that the defensive back is making contact with the receiver, Rondell Moore is harder to tackle. But if you're giving them an opportunity to make the guy miss as well, Kadarius Tony is much better at doing that. So his combo, I think, is a little bit better than Rondell Moore's. But in terms of just getting contact and breaking it, Rondell Moore is one of the best, if not the best, in the class at just breaking tackles, even though his stature is pretty small because he's got that leg strength, that elite, elite foundation under his waist. And other than being tough to tackle, and eating hits and being able to keep going. He's really, really fast. He's got speed overall, a verified, out of coming out of high school, a verified 4-3-3 40-yard dash. We just saw a 42-inch vertical that shows explosiveness and, once again, his lower half strength. We saw that on a video he posted or like his buddy or trainer posted not too long ago. And actually, when you're looking at that stuff, right, his lower body strength, it probably saved an ACL tear in college. He's also got really good cutbacks. He's very bursty. He's just somebody who, once he has the ball in his hands, you're looking at him like, yeah, we're getting way more yardage than we should get. So that's something really good about Rondell Moore. But there are some knocks, right? He's got some drops. He's got small hands. He has had the same hamstring injury twice on the same hamstring. So he's not really injury like... He's not really injury prone because it's not like he's he's getting injured everywhere and he's just like brittle. It's just that one same thing that keeps coming up. So we'll keep an eye on that. But and that's why he's his best season is 2018, right? Because since then he hasn't played nearly like anywhere close to a full season. So that's part of the reason that he's also dropping in terms of rankings is if he was just healthy and he put up three seasons like that he could be a top 15 pick. So that's definitely the biggest knock against him is just the hamstring and the injuries. He's also not a contested catch guy. He's limited by his small size. He hasn't shown ability to break away from press coverage yet. We'll see. But remember, you need to be able to break away at the line of scrimmage in the NFL to be successful. So that's something to watch. He's only got one college productive season. He's got a limited route tree. His production, a lot of it, you could say, was schemed. So if wherever he lands, we'll talk about this in a fantasy takeaway, if wherever he lands does not purposefully and meticulously try to get him the ball, then it's possible he's not going to be that great because how much does he actually create on his own? How much is he getting open on his own when they're not giving him just all these different Things like screens, handoffs, pick routes, just all these different ways to get him open, you know? So that's what we want. We want him to go to a situation where they do give him that because he's the guy when he touches the ball, he's dynamic. So it's it could be a knock 
it's it's only in Akafi land somewhere that we don't believe is going to be very intelligent when they're making their game plans for their offense. But if he goes to somebody with a good offensive coordinator or a good offensive-minded head coach, then he'll be fine, and that won't be a knock. He's also a slot guy strictly, so if he goes to a team that uses a lot of two wide receiver sets, will he be on the field? Probably not. So the fantasy takeaways, he's a guy I don't see as well as Kadarius Toney going until at least the back of the first round, but I think his floor is a lot lower than Kadarius Toney. I don't see Toney slipping past the end of the second. Maybe Rondale Moore. And that's only, I wouldn't have even said that if it wasn't for like DK Metcalf making it to the back of the second for the Seattle Seahawks, goodness gracious, or Denzel Mims making it to, I believe it was the back of the second for the New York Jets, or was it the top of the third? Like, I think it was back of the second. So a lot of times receivers just will drop for some reason. So maybe Kadarius Tony will make it to the back of the second. But if that's the case, then Rondell Moore could probably make it to the third. And aside from where he could land or how he will be drafted in terms of, you know, where location, his landing spot will matter heavily like we talked about, right? Because of is he going to get scheme t- touches or not? Are they going to have three wide receiver sets or two wide receiver sets? Is he going to be on the field enough? Because he could, like Jamison Crowder, see that comp wasn't just for how he plays, but also how he could be relevant in fantasy. He could be a PPR machine, a small, tough, quick skill set that dominates after the catch, and he could become a 100-catch guy. Or he could be improperly used, like a Tavon Austin, if he goes to a bad location, and he could flame out. I don't expect this, but it's a possibility that exists Rondale Moore has jumped some people for me that we've already talked about, not Kadarius Toney and not Jalen Waddle, but he slots in between Jalen Waddle for me and Terrace Marshall, I believe. Let me just check. Yes, he is right between Jalen Waddle and Terrace Marshall. So he is my wide receiver six right now. Then we have a guy out of Michigan, one of the only really very big wide receivers in this class. 6'4", 215 pounds. He will be 22 when the season starts. Nico Collins. His best season was 2019 in 12 games, 37 receptions, 729 yards, 7 touchdowns. This is a guy that a lot of people seem to be excited on. And I'll be straight up with you from the start. I'm not really getting it. I'm not super excited about him. He, to me, is similar to an Antonio Gandy-Golden, but with less upside. And I did like Antonio Gandy-Golden, but he wasn't somebody inside my top 10 receivers last year. And so for Nico Collins to be in a lot of people's top 10 wide receivers this year, when I don't think he's as good as Antonio Gandy-Golden, and both wide receiver classes are equally as stacked in terms of at least perception before they were drafted, like before we saw how good Justin Jefferson was and before we saw how good all of the receivers in the last class just turned out to be even in a COVID crazy season with no off season. So Nico Collins to me, we'll talk about him obviously, but I already am letting you know, I'm not too excited, but what is he good at? He's good on the sidelines. He's good at getting his feet in bounds. He's got good size. He's a good contested catch receiver. He actually, I got to give him props. 81.3% contested catch rate in 2019, by far the highest out of the wide receivers in this class or in that year. He has decent vertical speed. He high points the ball well. So he's a good deep threat with some good size who can win some contested catches, right? But what is he not good at? He doesn't create separation. He's not dynamic after the catch. He's not quick. He's not bursty. He's not a polished route runner. These things may be better because he did opt out and train all of this last season. He opted out in 2020. So it 
Could be that now he is quicker or he is burstier because he worked on those fast twitch muscle fibers, which I know all about from vertical training in basketball. Vertical as in, you know, jumping, not vertical like we talk about in football when we're just talking about a nine route. He could be, see, he's not really going to be able to train dynamic, being dynamic after the catch, but he could be a polished route runner. He could have worked on his feet and his route running as well. So we'll see. But from the last things we saw on tape, he's not good at any of those things. He also doesn't make people miss. He's not a tackle breaker. He's easy to tackle. Usually immediately tackled actually after he catches the ball because he has no separation. So it'll be interesting to see how he pairs up against bigger corners, stronger corners in the NFL. And that's why I'm not really excited about him. Nico Collins is not a very well-rounded receiver. He's likely going to get taken very late in the draft. I'm talking day three, but he does have potential with his size and ball skills. He is the most landing spot dependent guy we have covered so far. Why? Because he has a specific role and he will be drafted late. And if he's drafted late, he has no guarantees to be on the field. So if he's drafted to a team with a crowded wide receiver room, he will probably not see the field and he will do nothing. Also, for those people wondering, they know this guy's from Michigan. Well, who else was from Michigan? A guy that I really, really like, Donovan Peoples-Jones. No, I do not like this guy anywhere close to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones was in my top 10 wide receivers in last year's draft class. And despite him not producing as a top 10 receiver in the draft class in the actual NFL season, he, in terms of efficiency, was one of the most efficient receivers in the class. And yes, it was on low volume. So that's why I'm not really emphasizing that he was the most efficient receiver because he was, but I do think he can be one of the more efficient receivers in the class. Anyways, Donovan Peoples-Jones is far ahead of this guy, I think. But we have another receiver here, Dwayne Eskridge. Oh no, ignore that. Dwayne Eskridge, 5'9", 189 pounds out of Western Michigan. He will be 24 when the season starts. 33 receptions, 768 yards, 8 touchdowns in 6 games. That was this year in 2020. His NFL comparison for me is a bigger version of Jakeem Grant. If you guys don't know who that is, he is a wide receiver who's been with Miami for a pretty long time, I feel like. Probably like 4 years at least. 3-4 years. He's like a punt returner a guy on special teams, which is what Dwayne Eskridge is very, very good at. And he's also someone who's quick. And now this is also me talking about Eskridge, who's quick, fast, has good jump cuts, has good burst, has good elevation on contested balls. He's got those hops, those basketball dunk hops for the short guys, right? He went back and forth between, this is Dwayne Eskridge, I'm talking about obviously not Jakeem Grant. He went back and forth between wide receiver and defensive back in college. He's got strong hands. He's got a well-developed route tree. He's good on special teams. Like I said, he's a great run blocker, which is good because it might help him get on the field. He's a consistent high effort guy. He adjusts well to poor passes, right? So there's some things that I think he does really well. And what else does he struggle with or what does he struggle with? He's a very old rookie, first of all. We're talking dynasty stuff. Most, most of the people listening are thinking dynasty, right? 24 years old, starting as a rookie, and he's going to be a late draft pick. That's rough. That's already very, very difficult. A huge uphill climb for him to become very good in the NFL. He is small. So at 5'9", 189, he's going to have a very niche role, right? He's not going to just become somebody who's getting 130, 140 targets ever, pretty much. 
He had lots of nice contested catches in college, but given his size and the level of competition he will be facing being significantly harder in the NFL compared to the colleges that Western Michigan was facing off against, he probably won't have that skill translate. He's probably not going to be a good contested catcher in the NFL. He will struggle against press coverage. That's a red flag. Remember, you got to be able to get off the line. That's what causes a lot of receivers to bust in the NFL because they can't get off the line quick enough and it disrupts their routes and the timing of the play and throws everything off and then they're getting pulled. He's easier to tackle, or he is easy, sorry, to tackle when he's contacted. And he's got some injury history. So the fantasy takeaway is pretty simple here. He could help a team in a big way as a speedster and a wide receiver three. So he can help an NFL team, but I don't see him being impactful enough to garner any fantasy attention. So we've got, so far, we've gone over four guys, right? Two guys I really, really like, and two guys I'm not really sold on. Dwayne Eskridge and Nico Collins are the two guys I'm like, mm, meh, no thanks. And two guys I like a lot, Rondell Moore, who everyone likes. So that's not really very different from the fantasy community. But Kadarius Toney, a lot of people are split on this guy. And yes, there are some people that like him more than me, but that's few and far between. I like him more than most. So I think he's somebody that you need to be paying attention to for value. And then to finish us off, we have another good one. So we hit three out of five out of this group. Diami Brown, 6'195 pounds out of North Carolina. The same school that had the two beast running backs, Javonta, well, most people think the two beasts. You guys know how I think about Michael Carter. But Javante Williams and Michael Carter were also on that offense with him. He will be 21 when the season starts. Nice, young, right? His best season was this year in 11 games with that amazing rushing attack with two running backs that are going to go in the top two rounds in the NFL draft. He was able to put up more than 1,000 receiving yards and eight touchdowns off 55 catches. His NFL comparison for me He's 6'1", 195, so I have to throw in the word smaller, but to me, he is very much like Denzel Mims. He's a smaller Denzel Mims. He's got really nice size and nice athleticism to pair. He's got the speed. He's got the burst. He's got the agility. He plays bigger than he is. If you're watching him and you look at how he plays, you don't think he's 6'1". I thought when I was watching him, he's probably 6'2 and a half, 6'3". So when I saw he was 6'1", I was like, wow, okay, interesting. He plays big. Nice. He's got a good stutter step that's in two areas of his game both at the line of scrimmage to get open and also after the catch to make somebody miss and freeze a defensive back on their heels. He is great at catching the ball away from his body. He's got a lot of nice, pretty hands, hand catches where he just stabs the ball with both hands out the air and he's not like bringing it into his chest, bringing it into his elbow notch, nothing like that. He's just snatching the ball and I like it. Looks good. He's got a good sense of where cornerbacks are and what I mean by this is when he's turned around, right, if let's say you run a curl route, you chop your feet, dot, 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 turn around, your back is facing the defender, the safety, and you catch the ball facing the quarterback, right? He has a good sense of where the corner is and where the corner is going. So even though he can't see him. So what I saw a lot, which is really good, is that because of this sense that he has of where they are, he catches the ball and immediately can shift left or right the opposite direction of where the corner is attacking, the angle that they're attacking. So as he's turning and shifting that direction, that first person always misses, and he's able to get extra yards after the catch. And this is just very, very helpful, especially when going over the middle of the field and the safety can, you know, like let's say you have two nine routes on the outside and the safety has to pick one. Well, if he's got his head turned facing the, the quarterback, he might most receivers might not know if the safety picked their side, if the safety's coming at them. 
And that's might be something they're worried about. Well, he had a good, really good sense of where the safety was. So he would catch the ball and immediately plant the foot and push his body weight in the direction away from the safety to get some more yardage. So that's something I liked a lot. He's got good fight against corners with the ball in the air. He's a high effort blocker. He's got good ball skills in general. His average depth of target was 17.1 yards down for downfield, according to PPF, not or PFF. Not 17.1 yards per catch, 17.1 yards downfield per target. That is insane. He's got very good ball tracking. He's got good zone awareness where to settle in and wait for the the quarterback to read them open and throw them the ball. And he's got really good upside. I really think he's got some good upside, just like we were talking about Denzel Mims. Not as much as Denzel Mims because Mims is bigger and probably a little bit faster. I'm not sure. Deami Brown seems pretty fast. And then we've got to talk about where he struggles, right? He ran a pretty underdeveloped and simple route tree. He did not run very many short or intermediate routes. He did flash some good things every once in a while when he was running those routes, but he was mainly running vertical routes and routes down the field, deep routes. He's not great after contact, so he's good at making people miss with his stutter step and with his sense of where they're at at the catch point. But when he is getting tackled, he's not really breaking tackles. He does have some drops with a lack of focus. He needs to add more moves into his arsenal to get off the line of scrimmage. He has good hands off of his releases, but, you know, he needs to add some more things in there. It's a release concern, so we got to be careful. Remember, that's something that leads to a lot of people busting. But I do think that's something he can develop. I think he's got a good frame. He seems like somebody who is going to be fine getting past that. And his fantasy takeaway, or my fantasy takeaway on him, is that he is a young, remember that, 21 when the season starts, young, high upside player with great tools to work with. And that's exciting to me. He probably goes in the second or third round. I think he has great wide receiver two potential for an offense. And depending where he lands, he could develop into a nice fantasy option. It might not happen quickly, given his lack of experience with routes outside of deep stuff. But with patience, this is a guy I like a lot. So this is another one. Another one I think is going to be a good buy low. I've talked about guys that might start really slow. I I believe Terrace Marshall was one of them that I talked to you guys about. Right? He might start slow. People are going to give up on him. And he will be a good buy low even after the season, right? His rookie season might not be great. It might be the same thing for Deami Brown or at least somewhat similar. So Terrace Marshall and Deami Brown are two guys where if they have bad rookie seasons, I'm already telling you right now it's something I kind of can see happening and it's not something I'm going to let just destroy my perception on these two guys. So these are two guys that I think could become really good buy lows. And depending on where they're at, they might be good values in drafts. Anyways, Deami Brown, I think, more than Terrace Marshall because, you know, I moved Rondell Moore and Kadarius Toney both over Terrace Marshall already, so we'll see how many more people I do do that with. I have Deami Brown right behind Terrace Marshall. So now that we have 10 receivers done, I'll give you guys my top 10 rankings, but remember, subject to change. Wide receiver 1, Jamar Chase. Wide receiver 2, Devonta Smith. Wide receiver 3, Rashad Bateman. Wide receiver 4, Kadarius Toney, who we talked about today. Wide receiver 5, Jalen Waddle. Wide receiver 6, Rondale Moore. 7, Terrace Marshall. 8, Deami Brown. 9, Nico Collins. 10, Dwayne Eskridge. So that's what we've got so far. Thank you guys for listening in. Please, please, please leave me a rating or review. I've been growing and growing and growing in listeners, which I really appreciate. I really appreciate you guys talking to your friends, 
you guys engaging with me on all different platforms and hitting me up in the DMs and all that stuff. I appreciate it. It's very helpful. Thank you. But I've been growing in a lot of listeners and haven't really been pulling in many ratings or reviews. That really helps my podcast just show up in search searches more often so more people can find it without having somebody tell them about it. So if you guys have not left a review or a rating, please do so for me. With that said, have a good one, guys. We'll uh, keep th- keep this grind going on the wide receivers. We've got, I can actually just tell you who we got next episode. It's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace, Seth Williams, Elijah Moore, and Amari Rogers. And I can tell you, Amon Ross St. Brown and Amari Rogers, actually, and Elijah Moore. Man, every, all five of these guys have people that I know personally that hype them up. And all of those guys that I know that hype these guys up are guys that I really like listening to, like guys that I have conversations with on a consistent basis, and we talk fantasy all the time and try to, you know, put some shed some light on things that we might be missing from the other person. So all five of these guys could end up being really good. So I'm very excited. But the two that I'm most excited to go over is Amari Rogers and Amon Ross St. Brown. But we'll see what happens. I haven't done my deep dive on them yet. So we'll see. But that's what we got on the sheet for our next podcast episode. Hope to be speaking to you guys then. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.